Hey y'all, it's your girl at Joy Leah, and welcome to my show Backstage with at Joy Leah. Today we have a wonderful guest on the show named Mr. Thomas McCoy. He is going to tell us his story, and it's very interesting, you guys. So sit back, listen up, and here we go. <laughs> so, Thomas, I see you there. Let me pull you in a little bit closer. Hey, Thomas, how you doing? Doing good. How about yourself? I am doing great, blessed, and highly favored. So, Thomas, I wanted to really just get into it and tell everybody about you, but I want you to tell your story. So, right. who is Thomas McCoy? Uh, that's a good question. Um, man, you know, pretty much, um, <clears throat> I'm pretty much somebody just, uh, just survived circumstances. You know, um, I guess that's the American story for the most part, especially for my noise, I guess. But, um, so, um, I don't want it to seem like the book is already like written because I'm still writing it. I'm right. pretty much um pretty much in like the fun stage, the best part to me, you know, because everything that I overcome or everything that I like I faced, you know, um everything that I took on, you know, with with the same aggression or the same determination to, to live or survive, I pretty much I'm um I'm getting a chance to like see why it was so important to like man up just you know um not give up on myself and not give up on my dreams, my goals, and, uh, you know, whether it was individuals, you know, identifying me through the words of a statue that I never read before, or they really can't define me because they don't acknowledge the circumstances, the conditions, the psychological um, condition that I was raised in. So, all people that just never paid me no mind, I, you know, in reality, it's just like, you're dealing with a lot of people's perceptions and, and, and stereotypes and uh, preconceived notions and, and a lot of people's disregard to like what's really going on. Right. Um, in this prison system, and we look at these statues, a lot of people, such as politicians, you know, these, uh, these U.S. attorneys, they put a lot of time and effort into just making them, you know, apply to people regardless if they really fit or regardless if, if it's really justified. It's right. Like really just to make sure that it's upheld. Right. And that, and that. Making it hard for people. Yeah, you know, um, yeah, pretty much. But um, Thomas McCord, he's, um, he's pretty much the same person he's always been. Um, you know, um, it's funny because when I talk to people that come to me when I was younger, they'll tell me, like, not much has changed. Since I was younger, um, condition that I grew up in, I really didn't have like a direct interaction with father and a mother, so I really had like a, um, a standoff, probably timid approach to life, you know. Um, I wasn't scared, I was nervous, it's just that I, I really didn't have nobody kind of walking me through it, so I just like, I, I, I wanted to survive, it's in my nature, like it's, it's in me, I was going to survive, but I knew I had to be a little reserved because I had to figure it out on my own. And um, so that's been in me since I was young. And, um, you know, I use, you know, coming up, uh, you know, not really having much, um, not having many people involved in my day-to-day -day life. You know, you get into sports. You know how that go for minorities, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, it's a blessing and a curse. It's a blessing and a curse. I got to acknowledge what it is. Um, so I got into football primarily. And... You know, like, I guess most stories go, that didn't work. I got cut, you know, and then make the team. I love football, though. I ain't never really played organized, but I got cut. All of the guys that I was hanging with, they made the team, so me. <laughs> but um, coach came back and got me, gave me a courtesy uh, pat on the back and was like, yo, you, um, I didn't mean to cut you. So I came out there anyway, seventh grade. And um, pretty much somebody that made the team, their parents didn't let him play, so he came and got me to the spot over. And so everybody was clowning me and whatever. So that was that was funny. That's the introduction to sports for me. <laughs> After that, I kind of like um, I kind of figured it out. It was something that um, 
that I was a part of. I felt like, you know, it was like, you know, it was not only was it fun, it was like, a, it was an opportunity to excel, you know, and because um, in school, whether people acknowledge it or not, even if you are, you know, seven, eight, nine years old, um, seeing children around you that have participation in life, they seem to know what the content that the teacher's talking about already. They seem to know what to say, what not to say. They know what, you know, um, they already have lunch prepared. Um, they already know how they can get home from school. Um, they already know certain things, so they got a certain confidence with them. Like, so in my circumstance, I really didn't have too much to expect. I had to, you know, I had to improvise as every day and every moment came, even when I was younger. So when I got on the football field, it was already set up. So it's like, all I got to do is focus. Right. Get out here and really like exhibit my qualities. Like I can actually like use my mind. I can like not be timid. I really can just be like all out me. And yeah. um, it didn't take long. That became that's when the Thomas McCord that a lot of people from I guess when you were younger, seven cities and you know, got a chance to know me. So anyway, I got into sports. Man, uh, character building for me. It was real character building because I really felt like it was me against the world. And um. Playing sports for me, uh, kind of because of, I guess, my talent, they'll say, it kind of made people look up to me and kind of like push me into be in leadership roles to where me having an attitude and me against the world didn't fit. You know, it, it, it kind of prevented me from just like being an individual and like just, just, just feeling like it made people started looking up to me. People started like expecting me to make um, judgment calls, speak before games, <laughs> you know, <laughs> So it's like, all right, I can't just be angry little times. Okay. So it kind of, that was a character building thing. <clears throat> and uh, the sad reality is I never really acknowledged the academic part of, of football. And so when it was time to kind of take it collegiate, you know, take it to the next level, I had a lot of scholarship offers. You know, I had a lot of uh, potential, but um, it didn't work out. Because my SAT score, my GPA didn't balance off enough to get me in D one, so that was an ego. Uh, that was an ego kill right there, and uh, that's when I kind of like um, went back to my me against the world mentality. Gotcha. And, uh, and um, but I ended up going D two. I had a mentor in my life by the name of uh, uh, William Brown. He was a at one time, a sports agent. You know, he's a business consultant. He's very active in in in, in business. You know, as, even as a black man, you know, since he was young, he just he was determined to get it. And um, he was real influential. And to this day, throughout my whole incarceration, he helped me get my multiple degrees. He helped me, you know, just just keep focused and not get caught up in you know, the penal system. So big up to him. I just want to bring his name up. He's very very influential in, in, in who you see today. He's okay. very important. Like. He has, a, he has a hand in what, what, what's here right now. What's here right now. Okay, so if you can go into a little bit about what happened and why you actually got incarcerated and um, just tell us a little bit about that situation. Yeah, so, um, okay. Um, well, I go, I go D2. I go play ball in college. Um, and it seemed cool. It was in North Carolina. I went to St. Augustine College, St. Augustine University in uh, okay. North Carolina, Oakwood Avenue, downtown Raleigh. All right. And, um, North Cackalacky in the house. <laughs> all right. Like, HBC, you all day. <laughs> so uh, I went down there and um, the coach, and you know, I forgot the coach's name. Like It was, it was crazy. He was telling me like, he was telling my uh, Mr. Brown, my mentor, he's like, if Tom's coming down here, I'm going to make sure he get on the field, you know, because they know my my, G, my grade issue, and that's what I was ineligible. They wanted me to go to military prep schools, and all that. I was trying to do it. And so he said I could play, I go down. So when I get there, he said I can't play. And, um, you know, I have to lie to me saying I could. So I had my, 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 my rage was grown. My <laughs> attitude was grown. Okay. You know, like, yeah, because everybody playing games with me, right? And I'm like, um. And you like, you ready. Yeah, I was getting ready. Um, I never, I never forget. Um, I had an older sister by the name of Christy. You know, we had a, a nephew. With, I had, a, she had a son uh, by the name of Isaiah, and she had just had another son by the name of Demario. And um, she was struggling. You know, when I was 
when I was home in the cities, it was all right to struggle. You know, well, I'm saying the struggle was different because I'm always there. You're there. Right. You can at least help, right. you know, if take the kids or stuff like that. Right. Right. It's time to way more valuable than money. So <laughs> it really there. is. It really is. When I was gone, I couldn't be there for it in that, in that aspect. And then my grandmother, her, um, you know, I had a grandmother by the name of Andy McCoy. Uh, she had a husband, my grandfather, who, uh, who uh, was a great man. You know, he got sick when I was uh, 11, but, you know, he, I have a few jewels that, that he gave me that I, that, that I used this day. But nonetheless, he was sick. And um, I used to help take care of him because he was, you know, changing him, you know, washing him, grooming him. My grandmother couldn't carry him, you know? So she, when I went to college and whatnot, he was in a nursing home for a little bit. But the bill, I, I remember she said it. She said the bill was like $8,000. Some astronomical number that it won't supposed to be. And uh, she couldn't afford it no more, so she had to bring him home to a situation where she can't, you know, physically even, you know, perform the task on her own. And she's financially, you know, not able to even uh, pay for the help. So, uh, you know, I knew a few people. I knew a guy that uh that it was like a hot cold, but he's always been like a big brother. You know, we you know friends you have like little jealousy stuff, little fights and stuff and all that, but it's a guy that despite the circumstances, I knew he knew how to get money, he knew how to get money now. Right. And um I'm like, yo, what's up, man? I got this thing need to get done, man. And uh, it ain't helped that I'm down in North Carolina. You know, I ain't got no I ain't got no money, I can't go to all the uh, clubs everybody want to go to <laughs> down there, you know, um, just to buy a drink or two. Right. You know, I want to do. I can't do. It. You know, so I'm like, man, something got to happen. So he's like, man, come out of there. So we start, you know, we, he sit down, break to me like, yo, look at all these establishments out here. You know, um, straight right down the street from where you stand. You see that? You see that store right there? You see that store right there? You see that spot right there? All these places out here, man, they ain't doing nothing for this community. They don't know they ain't dealing with nobody out here. True. Peripheral. I mean, he's like, man, listen, show them. And you see, they got, they got, a, they got a bankroll. Let's, we're going to get it. And I was just like, say no more. Okay. And uh, and that's how I went, you know. And um, and then I come home, and you know, it's like I feel like I could, I, I felt like I could kind of like. You know, justify my actions because you know the struggle, right? The struggle, like you know. So because it's the struggle, I feel like you know my actions. That I don't need a moral fabric because ain't nobody else out here have no moral quality to right. take care. Of. Yeah. So I was young and, and kind of like just just a renegade. I was a rebel. Yeah. But you explaining everything that you went through ahead of time can basically kind of. I would say, I, I can't think of the word right now, but it's understanding on the situation that you were in on why you did what you did. Because right. if you explain, I mean, I, I was a college student before and I know a lot of people that listen in, they've been college students before. You don't have no support or no job or no, right. you know, somebody giving you that money. You out I there, see. you out there bad. You know what I'm saying? Because you only got room and board. You have nothing else. So... You got to, I mean, you know, it's those local people that was, you know, selling weed and, you know, doing things that they had to do to, you know, get through college, I would just say, because everybody didn't have, like what you was explaining, that role model, that mother and father to, you know, give them the funds and everything that they needed. So you had to do what you had to do, it sound like. Yeah, I pretty much did. Um, You know, I tried to. I tried to make, I tried to like clean it up after a while, you know, try to get into a couple of hustles, like talking about weed, doing different things, trying to, try to, you know, make a few dollars on a, on a different style. Cause I really wasn't a stick up kid or somebody just arrived with. Yeah. You know, that wasn't like my, you didn't want to, you didn't want to hurt nobody. Right, right. You know, you know me, I, you know. You want so, no DMX. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I mean, you know, it went that way, but, um, you know, the guy that kind of introduced me to that lifestyle, you know, and a number of guys, it wasn't just me, you know, it was a couple of guys that I kind of knew, but for the most part, on the whole conspiracy, there's seven of us on the conspiracy, and I ain't really deal with too okay. many of the dudes on the, you know, like, I, I was just finding out about 
these individuals read the indictment. Right. You know, so I mean, but you know, you know, that's another story. We about to get there too. Yeah, we're about to get into that because that conspiracy thing is is it really is what gets a lot of young black men, it seems like, in the system. It's they don't have a fact, they don't know for sure. It's word of right. mouth and you know, I, I had a baby father who um, went to jail for conspiracy as well. And um, he took the plea, you know. So it's like, you know, once you have that conspiracy title on you and all that going on, it gets real after that. So tell us a little bit about that information and, you know, the next steps of what happened. Okay. Um, you know, when... when when all of this uh, legal language started dropping down and and, and, and uh, the landscape of how this, this case was unfolding, because they, they labeled us as organized crime unit, right. you know, terrorizing the cities out here. Right. You know, you know, which was like, you know, they made that joint look like we had it. We had it. Y'all like BMF or something. You know what I mean? <laughs> they probably think Definitely, it definitely, um, it definitely was like everything. I'm just I'm learning about majority of stuff going on, you know, watching the news. And, and you a college student at this time, right? Right. right. So it was college. just probably too much. You got school. I just started training again. I wanted to transfer to uh, Virginia State. Wow. You know, um, I just started training again back in shape. You know, I was I fell off. You know, I'm now now I turned into a little hustler. You know, I'm I'm. You know, I'm as long as I'm making, you know, twenty one to twenty four hundred, I was fine. You know, it was a whole different, it was a whole different lifestyle. You know? Right. Uh, so, you know, now, but I'm like, damn, my little passion. Why, why was I doing this? I started thinking about why I'm doing this. I got a little cousin. You know, he he reminded me like, then I got certain people. They they like, yo, listen, man, man. they like, I love you playing football. Like, I, re- I remember, I love watching. So I was trying to get back. It just, you know, it was a dude that the head of the indictment. You know. Like um, this dude, man, he he just he just wanted to be right. Even when even when his, even when he he just he just he just was wild. He was a wild guy, you know. <laughs> North Carolina. Was nah, he? he from he, he said he, he was from. He, I grew up with him. Oh, okay, okay. And um, and uh, this guy, man, he um, he got him a little girlfriend, a little club hopper, man, you know, you know. So he fell in love, you know, and um. I don't know. He's spending all his money. He started acting wild. A couple of men I talked to, they like, let's see, get out of control, man. He ain't like, he, he, this, he, he, want, he doing this for a lifestyle. Like, he, he wild. Right, right. And it, 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 you already stated this is not a lifestyle thing. This is just what we doing because we young. Right. Mm. He, he won't try to, he like, you know, he ain't trying to hear that. He, and so he get money, spend money, get money, spend money, you know, for this honest female that he's, he's had over here for. So, wow. but, you know, unless, you know, he getting out. And then, um, you know, next thing you know, he dropping an album. <laughs> names coming, names coming down, names coming down. And, uh, you know, we in the state. The state got us first. So we, we just in the city jail. And wow. everybody understand. We're going to be all right. And uh, it seemed like that was playing. Everything was going good. A couple guys was in, like, you know, like uh we call them, they, they call them Christian blocks, but, you know, that's for, like, safe havens. You know, there's some questionable things going on. You know, we knew we knew the main guy, you know what I'm saying, was telling, you know, he told him all that. Then there was one guy that instantly, you know, so it was getting real spooky. Okay. It was getting, it was getting real, like, you know, because, you know, I ain't, I'm, I'm talking to my lawyer, but seeing like everybody else, they got all types, they talking to everybody, you know. The next thing I know, the feds picked the case up. Next, when the feds picked the case up, this is what happened. They started sending all of us to different jails. Wow. And they sent somebody else to Chesapeake. And they sent somebody else to Tyler the Beach. And so now everybody can't communicate. Ain't nobody they, Yeah, right. That's what they try to do. I, I understand that. Hello? You little froze there. Give me one second, y'all. I just got disconnected with Thomas, but we about to get him back on the line because his story was getting really, really good now. Thomas? Yes, I'm here. Okay, I hear you. I got you. I lost you for a second, but I got you back. Yeah. 
Yeah, so um, at that point, man, um, everybody going to different. Uh, my lawyer come up to me. It's like by this time, it's it's because this happened back in um, uh, my whole I, I got I got locked up on this on this case that we speaking. Of. I got locked up in October third, two thousand three. You know, and um, uh, I was recently released May 20, 29th, twenty twenty ninth, twenty twenty. Wow. So, uh, but back then, when it happened. I was nineteen. I was nineteen years old when it happened, and uh. So you I were. I remember it was March. It was in. Go ahead. No, I was just gonna say. So you were in there for twenty years, almost or seventeen. Wow. Yeah, seventeen. For conspiracy. Yeah. No, it's, this is actually the name of the statue. The name of the statue once the feds picked it up was "Interruption in Interstate Commerce by the Means of Threat or Violence." Um, and then with that charge, we didn't get, I didn't get any gun charges. I got two of those, but with those interruption of interstate commerce charges, they gave me two gun enhancements for the use of the firearm wow. and those offenses. And the trick, the trick of it is, um, the first gun enhancement for the first interruption of interstate commerce charge, which in further detail, we just go to a robbery. It would, uh, it, it gave me a seven year enhancement, an 84 month enhancement. Then for the second, you know, um, interstate uh, interruption, interstate commerce charge, it gave me a, another gun enhancement. But because there was a first one present, it, it changed it from being just a seven year enhancement to a collective 25 year enhancement to be stacked on top. Wow. My actual offenses, because of, I'm a first-time offender, and then because of the language of the statute, I was only facing three years in a month to three years in seven months. But the actual offenses, okay. but because of these gun, the gun charges, right? No, they're not even gun charges. They're just enhancements for the use of a gun. Okay. Gun. This is is it's a semantic. So, go ahead. No, I was going to say, and this is North Carolina, right? No, all this is in Virginia, back in Virginia. So, yeah, okay. Now it makes sense. Virginia has some wild laws, it sounds like. <laughs> yeah, see, this, oh, is well. so this is all over the country. It's oh, because you were going state to state. Yeah, okay. See, see, this is the trick. This is the trick. Because it sounds like I was going state to state. But all the actual offenses took place in Virginia. What happens is the money for all of these establishments, they're federally insured. So technically, their money or their currency travels state line. Got it. So they just can pick up almost any case that they want to pick up because everything is almost starting towards businesses concerned mm -hmm. or federal. Or, you know, they have, they have some sort of federal presence inside their business activity. Yeah, some type of jurisdiction. That does make sense. For any business, exactly. it seems like. Is it because of the money? It's because of the money. That's it. Okay. But, um, because I, because that's jurisdiction argument, you know, a lot of guys, we used to put together ciphers and, and groups of guys, and we used to always try to get, you know, try to fight the jurisdiction element to how the feds keep and pick up the case. Because when you fight it, you got to kind of like, you can't really get up on the branches of the issue. You kind of got to go to the group. Like, let's, let's get to the group. They want to just say he's a bad guy, this, that, and third. Like, yo, hold up, you wicked for using a, a, a word semantics to even get jurisdiction over this. Like, in the first place, state offense. You know what I mean? So let's just get to the like, let's let's just do, let's just be real. Only reason you pursuing this is for money, right? Like, don't don't say you're a bad guy. Let's let's all get down. You here because you get paid. You here because somebody's trying to get money, so they paying you to get this done. Ah, you know what I mean? So. But this is how you got to get used to it. You can't take it personal when you're fighting with the feds. You can't okay. take it personal. All right, so... Yeah, but so... No, go ahead. Go ahead. So the guy, you know, um, the guys are flipping it. I remember it was March 2004. My attorney, um, William Robinson, he came up to me. He was like, listen, uh, uh, and I got it in writing, too. You know, I got, you know, you know how to play the trail, bro. <laughs> Number of your co-defendants have already agreed to plea out and have agreed to cooperate against you. Now, at that point, you know what I'm saying? I, everybody split up, but 
the last thing I can recall is everybody supposed to be playing their part. You know, everybody supposed to be trying to figure out what they're going to do, how they're going to do it. You know, as far as, like, uh, just, you know, together defense and whatnot. Right. Because you know, all you have one dude and another dude, you know, it's, it's – I mean, it was getting – I'm young. I'm not seeing that it's about to get real bad. Okay. Yeah, but, you know, at the end of the day, you know, it was uh, it was two of us. It called it called us the last man standing. And uh, it was looking bad for us, man. Looking bad, you know. So my my attorney at the time, William Rhodes, um, he was telling me like, man, they, they're sentencing you as a first time offender of a statute and a repeat offender of that same statute in the same sense. He said they can't. Be <coughs> he said, uh. They're gonna, he said he showed me legislation by Bobby Scott, you know, uh, Virginia Congress, or Virginia Senate, I believe, back back then. And uh, he, um, it was about, you know, uh, fighting that issue and trying to prevent them from sentencing a first-time offender as a repeat offender. Okay. You know, so he was like, listen, like, uh, there's a 35-year deal on the table. Now, I know your code of finance, they getting 10 years and they doing all this, he said, but they, this ain't your situation. They want you. Wow. So uh, he was like, "Listen, take this, man, because he said because they can't give you these, they can't give you that twenty-five year enhancement. You got to come on, you know." And he was explaining. He showed me the legislation. He sent me the bill. The legislation was like like three hundred some pages back then. So you know, so I was I was confident, uh, you know, someone of that status, you know, filling me in like things about to change. I'm gonna be alright. So I was real confident. Okay. You know, he was you know, he gonna tell me some real. Right. Long story short, you know, I get into the prison system, they send me to uh the USP, United States Penitentiary in Kentucky. You know, uh, a couple of years passed, I don't hear nothing from the attorney. Well a year passed, I don't hear nothing, another year passed, I don't hear nothing, then another year passed, I don't hear nothing, then I got a, a older gentleman, you know. He's he took he took, he took a liking to me, he's always trying to put me on game. Yeah, I'm always playing football, playing basketball. I'm going out, you know, just 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 trying to do my time like that. He like, so how your case looking? And I'm like, yeah, man, you know, my, my lawyer got it. He like, yeah. He's like, you sure? I'm like, yeah, I get mad. He asked me, I'm sure. I'm like, right. So he's like, uh, he said, all right, I hate you. And so it, it built my curiosity. So I write the courts to ask about, you know, my appeal or what's going on. And they like, ain't nothing going on. So I'm like, you know, do my wow. full loop. Head that I was telling you about, he was like, All right, so I, he said, I guess you ain't going out to play basketball tonight, huh? Going to the library. <laughs> <laughs> you going to find out the real information. Yeah, so, and and then coming to find out that, that you know, there was never an appeal or anything put in. You know, my lawyer was just. He was just talking. Give me the runaround, it sound like. Yeah, about legislation. You know, that, that the legislative process is completely different than what my lawyer, I'm expecting from my lawyer. You know, so he had me he had me caught up on the legislative process and that bill never made it to the floor that Bobby Scott was presenting. He never, you know, shoot. His whole time he was in on the, had a seat, ain't nothing it never made it never hit the floor. So, mm. Yeah, so time wow. was rough. Yeah, it's I mean it's it sounds like it because, you know, you were it seemed like you you know, you was in some way trusting in your lawyer in the system. But it's, it wasn't working for you. So when did you realize that you had to take your case and your situation in your own hands? And what was what was the next steps? And what did you do to, you know, make sure that your case was going to get appealed and things was going to work out into your favor? Um, the next thing I did... Once I realized nothing was done, I wrote my lawyer's office. And, um, you know, unfortunately, when I wrote the office, I found out that he had passed away. <gasps> the lawyer? Yeah, he had passed away in 06, you know? So, like, a few months before. Wow. But his son was in the firm. His son was like, hey, man, I remember your case. And um, I don't know what... He's like, I don't know what my father was. You know, I don't know what specifically what was supposed to happen. But he said, man, if there's any way I can help, I never forget. He's like, any way I can help, I'm like, um, I, like, what you mean? I, you ask me. He, he telling me like things. He's, you 
you know, he telling me that they couldn't sentence me with these enhancements like this. And right now, I'm 35 years, and, and, I, and, I, and I still got 35 years. Right. Like, what's supposed to happen? And, you yeah, know, so, uh, yeah, you need, need to know. But he like, well, because he's a lawyer, he's, he, he's listening to me, you know, vent about what I thought, what I was told and what I thought was supposed to take place. Right. He's listening to me because I'm just vent. Oh, let's just, oh, let's just like, it's just words, you know, because when you get into law, you got to understand that if you don't, if you don't understand uh, how the law, what the, what the language of the statue is, um, uh, what is the intent of the statute? Meaning, what would it Congress intent? You know, uh, and what, it, what was Congress's intent on how to sentence people with the statute, and then how the U.S. government or how the courts are interpreting it? You know, if you don't understand, it's a process of this. You know, what I mean, it's, you never really realize, you know, how complex this, this the circumstance is. You know, the lawyer he just let, he just hears people bet, and I, I, I realized he was hearing me bet, which was cool. Uh-huh. But he had that. Couldn't really do nothing. He don't. He like, man, I don't know. You know, it don't seem no laws. Everything how you sentence is, you know, correct by law. Right. No, I'm not saying, but you know, it's correct by law. Okay. And him telling me that, and I know what you know. Um, his father told me, and then I know at the end of the day, I'm like, I was sentenced as a first time offender and a repeat offender at the same time. Like, right. Doesn't make sense. Right. Um. You know, I just um. And I had the right older gentleman around me, you know, because I, I did have my little attitude, and I was like, man, you know what? I'm just gonna do this time, and I'm, I'm, I'm you know, and I'm just quiet, wild ahead. And but I had a couple older gentlemen that had already did like 32, 33 years. They like, man, listen, man, y'all that sound good. They be like, yo, Thomas, I started off with twenty, yeah, I ended off with forty. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Everything you saying, like, I done been there. Right. Like, you know, that ain't what the, that ain't what you want. That ain't what you trying to do. Like you want to go home in my city, y'all. Okay. You, know I mean? I can see. you don't belong the there. You didn't. But be- they knew that you didn't belong there. Right. You know. Yeah. No. They like man. You know, ain't nobody gonna fight for you harder than you would, man. So you gotta get in there. You smart. They like you smart. Get in there. You, and figure it out. You went to college and everything, and it seemed like it's okay. It seemed like you figured it out. So, so what ended up ha- like? What did you do? So in um, did you you from what I was you know heard about you got your degrees in college? I mean I'm sorry in in jail, but you was already in college, but you ended up getting two degrees, right? I got a I got one in business management, another one in social behavior science. And how did you actually? You know, get yourself released and everything before time. You know, how did you actually do that? Okay, um, first, you know, my first, the, the first one I completed was a business management uh, degree, and because of you know being in the prison system, you know, uh, we go on lockdowns. We go like um, every time there's, there's issues. You know, I don't, I don't got all, I don't got incidents. I got sent to them, you know, isolation for months. So. It's like things are happening where, and because of distant learning programs with colleges and prison systems, they know those type of incidents take place, and they give you an additional amount of time to finish courses. Oh, so I was I was actually in these courses longer than than like just a, a standard school standard school year. Okay, because I couldn't control like if something happened, like it goes up, it goes up on the yard, you know, two people got killed, somebody in a coma, they they shut everything down. They ain't worried about no school. They're not worried about no education. You stand in your cell till they figure out what's going on. And then once they figure out what's going on, they want to make sure it ain't going to keep going on. And y'all going to stand in it. They stand in it. And then after they figure out what's going on, they want to make sure y'all know who run this. And y'all going to stay locked down for months. So, you know, different situations happen in the, in the distant college. They have this letter program. They understand. So that's how, that's how I was able to kind of like deal with the time, you know, uh, time discrepancy. Okay. And um, so it took you, like you said, a little longer to actually um, receive your degrees and everything. But when did you actually receive your last, I would say, your last degree? My last degree was a social behavior science degree, which I, I, I completed in 2017. Okay. 
All right. So once you completed that, was that when you decided to, you know, start looking into getting yourself out or was it before that? It was before that. I've, uh, inside of, um, inside of this, the order that I just got released by Judge Jackson on uh, uh, May 26th, the, the response to my initial motion by, by the uh, U.S. attorney, he made sure that, that, that uh, Judge Jackson's in the court and, and everyone viewing it, you know, acknowledged that, you know, Thomas has been filing and, and you know, motions, you know, for like the last 16 years trying to get out. You know, and he, he was trying to paint a picture of me like if somebody like I just refused to acknowledge, you know, he, he tried to paint a picture of me, but his picture showed my, my you know, my resilience. I was just resilient. I was not like willing to accept, you know, my, you know, how they want to look at me, how they want to classify me, how they want to bury me. Gotcha. So it's, he acknowledged like I just, every time a case came out, every time the language of the statute adjusted just a little bit, I'm like, that little bit of change means something. I'm like, y'all need to review my case and make sure, and I want y'all to know that that little bit of change, y'all gonna, y'all gonna make sure that, 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 uh, Y'all gonna make sure that I ain't got something coming. Okay. Know, I, just, I got to make sure. And then I, I used to file for my, you know, I got a co-defendant that I deal with. I, anytime I, anytime I did something for me, I did something for the other good man that's, you know, that held it down. Wow. Me. You know, uh, and he home today too. And uh, good. He home for his motion too. Wow. So <laughs> when you, you know, was you know coming in front of this judge that finally released you. Was it just you or did you have that other lawyer, you know, that son, was he helping you or was it just mainly you? Um, the only thing he had helped me do at that time, he said he would see if he could salvage any like transcripts, anything that he had in the office. That, that's pretty much all he would do. So he, he didn't really offer no assistance legally. Okay. Um, that's pretty much what he did. That was so that that's that's that. Now as far as this motion that this um this uh it's called a compassionate release. Um as most people don't want to, most people don't don't understand like what was the what was the catalyst to 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 the filings of, of they got me and a lot of people released recently. It's, it came from the First Step Act, you know, that was signed into law December twenty first, um, twenty eighteen by um, President Trump. By Trump, yeah, that's what kind of like what Kim Kardashian is doing to help all these other. Um, females and stuff get released. I I, I kind of know about that. That's interesting. But go, I'm sorry for interrupting you. Go ahead. Uh, um, so pretty much when that was passed, uh, it was for a lot of first time offenders, right? Yeah, it, it, that's that's one component of it. Um, what they did do in this bill was finally address that stacking provision or that enhancement provision that I was saying. Gotcha. What they did was, and it's 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 a uh, it's the business of it, you know. When we begin to the details, but plainly, what they did was, um, they acknowledged that they're sentencing individuals as a first-time offender and a repeat offender at the same at the same time. So you're getting like double the amount of time, right? You know, so not only does the offense carry a sentence, and it could be three of them. It, an independent sentence, an independent sentence, an independent sentence. But because of how the, the statute was, the language of the statute, the courts were accepting the government, presenting it as if if that first one is president, yeah. you say guilty. Automatically, uh -huh. that second one goes from its independent seven years to 25. Then wow. anyone after that, 20, 25, 25, and they all stack on top of, on top of each other. So it's like, 75 years in some cases, you know, for some people. Right. I'm going to tell you how wicked it is. Even though they're using the first one and associating it with the second one to enhance it to a higher sentence, they still stack the time on top of it. They ain't even include that. Wow. You're using it to to show a greater severity for why you're given a harsher sentence mm. than just independent you, you used it associated with it and then gave a, a higher sense and still tack, stacked it on top of the first, which is double jeopardy all day. Yeah, yeah, it really is. Congress intended it to be that way, so the courts were like, there's nothing they can do. They just allow it. 
But like I say, in this in the first step back, they clarified it. They like, man, if somebody's a first time offender, you can't give no one that that, that you can't give any that additional second time offender twenty five years. If you were supposed to get your seven years, that's what you were supposed to get. And to and that's the thing. I hate to say it that they do to just black people in general and stuff like that. It's like seem like they purposely do that just to keep us down. But you know. That's in the case. That's in the see. That's all of that. What they what they were doing because those those that statute was used to target minorities. It's a fact. The judges mentioned that. It's mm. mentioned the judges. This is it's, it's I mean because you can do the numbers. It's everything you can do the numbers. It's primarily used against you know minorities. Those and black. I mean and the first time offender part is what kills me. So do you think a lot of people are right now are taking advantage of that? Um. See this. Is Thing going on right now because of the first step back they clarified that to where they did not what this is what happened they changed the language of the statute to make sure that the government or the u.s attorneys like uh like um uh kamala harris you know and all of them mm-hmm. the US attorneys that were doing it for a while you know she ain't exempt um these individuals that were using these statutes in such a uh atrocious manner right and they change the language of it so that no longer, no longer can they misconstrue how they're supposed to sentence. Gotcha. So it's oh, so they was playing tricks on people. It sound like so. I, so I, I mean, I might as well throw it out there since you know election is coming up. I mean, who are you voting for, Trump? Are you voting for Biden? Because it seems like this is a democratic thing. I mean, look, we just having a conversation here. We talking and how you explained what. Kamala Harris, you know, I love my black HBCU woman, but this is not my first time hearing that, you know, the Clinton administration and all these different administrations put these things in. Listen, I couldn't even file a motion and be heard because of the laws that Bill Clinton signed in the the, the 90s. Yeah. This is not my first time hearing that. They don't, don't, I don't have a right to be heard and I mean, with you being a first-time offender, it could have been a mistake. You know, it's all type of things that go along with that. That most people, when something like that happened, they learn a lesson, especially if they have the right support system behind them. And then when you don't, it's individuals like yourself and other individuals that get lost in translation because of the laws that are put in place. So, I mean, I see I, I, I see why everybody don't have a problem with Trump when it comes to certain things because people don't even know that HBCUs wasn't getting no government funding for years, okay? Actually, they said they never got government funding for over 147 years. And because in 2019 or 2018, Donald Trump signed an act to where HBCUs are now getting federal assistance because they were going out of business. So I'm not, I'm not knocking anybody. I, I, you know, I, it is what it is. I know how Trump does and his antics, but you got to get to accept the good and the bad sometimes, right? When it comes to situations that's helping you out, right? You know, I can't look at it. I can't look at, one person 100% wrong and one person 100% right. You know? And I see why, you know, people was working with him when it comes to that, that, especially your situation, because of what he signed. So, I mean, it's very interesting because I, I used to wonder why so many people would support him. Huh? Go ahead. I said, I would have to get my voting privileges reinstated. So. <laughs> But if you did, if you did get it reinstated, would you vote for Trump? Now, you know, that's, it's tricky because it's tricky because, I, you know, at the same time, the things that need to be done, you know, are, can possibly still get done. You know, being that kind of like open the door on how to how to move with politics, you know, politicians now. Like, yeah. He, he, he made it cool not to worry about being friends. With right. Right. You know what I mean? He made it cool, you know, so. You know this new the new age so this new wave might be a little little different. I just I'm not really feeling like 
like Biden, whoever really like Biden only doing this because certain people want him to do it. So whoever those people are, I think he's just gonna do what they want. He want they what want they want him to do, do. right? I ain't mad at him, but you know, I, you know so I'm thinking that's how the game go. <laughs> Kamala, uh, Kamala, you know, she's kind of like trying to get a name for herself. So you know, I, I can't really try. I, I don't know what she on. She on something. She on her own. She on her own little thing. She got her. She got own agenda. Like you gotta understand, like she being a U.S. attorney, she already feel like you know blacks. They already probably felt like she, she uh, she going against the grain. So she already got an attitude against you know people that look like her. But now she need their votes. So now she's trying to act like she cool, you know, act like you know she down to earth. She she don't deal with the struggle. Like I ain't saying you ain't you ain't the struggle. I'm just like don't play with me. I get I what you're saying. I I mean, I get what you're saying. One hundred percent. You know what I'm saying. A lot of people do necessarily go with certain situ certain people because of they look like them you know and you basically opened up not necessarily my eyes but i bet you a lot of people are listening to this and are understanding like oh, okay i didn't think about her like that because when you look at her old video she was going off on folks in them court systems i mean she did not play look her up, look her up man. I was <laughs> Lexus Nexus, put her name in there and see how she's acting. Wow. Yeah, you she she wows out, you know, and people and they and people don't realize they only saw a little bit of her. She can go there, but I mean, like you said, a lot of these laws come from the, you know, the Democratic Party. And many, many years ago, I mean, my father's a Republican. Many, many years ago, a lot of people in the black community were Republicans because Republicans supported minorities at one point but you know things change things get lost in translation but it's good to know that even though all this craziness trump was doing that there were some people that was able to benefit from his four years being here and i'm so glad that you know diane told me about you and told me about your story and everything because i thought i remember she was telling me about it like last year, and she was like, he's about to get out. And, you know, she she was really talking about it, and she kept talking about you, and I was like, I mean, how? Like, what's, you know, what's going on? And then, you know, I got my podcast going, and I was like, I, I wanted you to be one of my first people on the show. I ain't even gonna lie. But I'm glad, you know, you were able to take some time out because your story was just so interesting to me because there's so many Black men out there that are in your situation. and a lot of this could have been avoided as well as a lot of this didn't have to go the way it went if we had the knowledge we knew and you know if better um if better laws was in place so i'm glad you were able to um you know get out I, I really am. I mean, I don't want to. I'm not going to take up all your time. We, I know you got something to do in a little bit, so we got like ten more minutes. Diane, Diane called in and she's breathing hard on the phone for some reason. <laughs> I'm like, what is wrong with this lady? Is she put your phone on mute, ma'am? <laughs> I don't even know where the mute button at. <laughs> I'm about to hang up on you, like <laughs> Hold on. Can you hear her? Nah, I got on. I got on my um my headphones, but I can hear. Uh, Diane, did you want to um say anything? I just want to say God is so good. God you is know, good. I I saw Thomas maybe like ten years ago. You know, as for coming out of this situation, you know, that's my 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 second baby. He my second baby. He the same yeah. age as your son, but no, a little bit older. <laughs> two years older than Sean. And so I I love Thomas like my son, but I prayed every day. I was even there when he got sentenced, you know, in, in, in the federal court, but I prayed every day. God gave me a sign one day and said, he's coming out soon. Just exactly. Keep believing. And you know we seen him work, okay? God is really on the throne because yeah. how you explained it and how I mean we look, you know I don't like Trump like that, but you know, if sometimes well, God people don't realize you. well God will use you. what yep and what is meant for evil, God will turn it into good. That's you know right. what I'm saying? 
He had to use him and his, you know, his mindset to get things done for people in our community. And the results of it, like I said, you know, your cousin has gotten out. And there's so many other people that have hear, heard this story about recently. And he's, you know, he signed the bill in 2018. And he's saying, you said you just got out in 2020. But it's going to be, a, I, I, I expect to hear more and more people, and I just especially first time offenders. I just want to inject a little bit. There are two young black lawyers who are the ones who are working along with Kim Kardashian of trying right. to get our young men out of out of uh, incarceration. And um, they really are the ones, the backbone of this. So I well, got to give them some shout outs for that. And, you know, I give some shout outs to them for that because you, it doesn't matter who is behind the scenes. They're probably using Kim Kardashian because she is a public figure and she can get to Trump. And whoever right. you got to use. I mean, it don't, it really doesn't matter. Use the ram in the bush. You know, he has, oh, you got to right. do what you got to do to take care of you. So, right. I mean, he can, the God can use a donkey to, um, to, to speak a word. So okay. <laughs> <laughs> he's just going to get it done. And I'm so happy to see Thomas home. You know, just love. I love him. <laughs> Mute your phone, Diane. Let, let me. I'm your cousin's talking now. Mm, okay. Go ahead. I'm sorry. But yeah, like when he was running for when he was running for president, right? You know, it was a number of it was a number of us. You know, we just it was a number of brothers. We just saying that we've been in system for a minute. You know, and we seen you know different people come and go. We just seen Obama go. You know, we signed zero bills changing anything for black folk. Zero. Zero <laughs> legislation. He done did like executive orders like that were going to be overturned as soon as he was out of office, but no laws changed. You know, right. So, but, so I, I, just, so I, I mean, just, some of that too, they wasn't letting him do nothing either. They just said, look, black man, we better be glad we got you in office. That's all you're going to really do. This <laughs> is the problem. This is the problem, right? Because personally, like, I've been, I've been a leader since I was young. You know, even when I was in there, I was a leader. You know, and I got men, you know, and it's just, it's something, you know, you the guy and you know, it's a it's certain things you're not going to tolerate. And I mean, if something need to get done, you won't, you, and, and, and people are not acting right, and you know you big dog, you know, you the leader, nah, you ain't, and you just, you can like it, or you can, you can either, you can either benefit with me, or you can lose. Yeah. Something you how you make the decisions? I mean, you see how Trump did, and 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 was like, I don't care what y'all say. I'm this is 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 what I go. And I really wish that you know Obama did have that type of confidence and backbone, like how because Trump is crazy. He said, "What I say, go." Good, good speaker and all that type of stuff, but. When it comes to a leader, like you gotta be willing not to come back out of the fight. You gotta be willing, like yo, we we gonna we gonna let it. We should, when we get ashore, let go of the anchors and let the boat go. If we don't win, we ain't coming back anyway. Right, you know, that's true. Leader gotta have. That is true. Well, I'm I I'm we are coming up to the top of the hour, and Thomas, I just really appreciate you being on my show and you telling me your wonderful story. I'm so glad you out. Um, wh what was the first thing you did when you got out? First thing I did when I got out, man, uh, I just I just stood there and I had uh, I just enjoyed the scenery. Man, my goal was to get me a nice thick crust cheese and a uh, little cherry tomato piece of that was my goal. I was like, <laughs> but I, you know, due to COVID, you know, I had uh, they had me in isolation. I really couldn't Okay. It was just, it was a, it was just a blessing, just, you know, being fresh air. You know, I just yeah. And while a lot of other people, year was going good. You, I mean, going bad. You was like, this, this best year. This COVID is. I'm telling you, COVID have people don't realize COVID has helped a lot of people. This is some folks' season. Yeah, well, they had to I was sentenced incorrectly, and I'm still in prison. 
it put an additional urgency in them having to hear my issue because I'm in prison. If something happened while I'm in prison, something happened to me while I was in there, and I was sentenced 18 years uh, uh, over my my, yeah. my mandatory. Right. Like, come on, they put right, they put urgency on. You. Right. You could have went back and sued and got you some money at that point, right? Yeah, for real. But I, I mean, I'm, I'm just so proud of you and what you did. And I really, and I, I have some other friends that are in jail right now. They send pictures and you know all type of stuff. And I just want you guys to be motivated and to you know know that there is you know a God out there and there is a way out of this situation. You know, Thomas is a perfect example of somebody who overcame adversity in the situation he was in. And he was, you know, he was wrongfully treated. I mean, you got extra years that you really didn't deserve. You didn't hurt nobody. You didn't do anything, you know, you know, different than white collar crimes that other people do. But this is something that happens to the black community all the time. But I'm so glad that we are fighting and I'm so glad that we are overcoming, not just fighting, we are overcoming. And you could be an inspiration to some other guys that are in the same situation that you're in. So you are truly blessed. And even though you had to go through what you had to go through, you know, God uses who they need, who he needs to use to get done what needs to be done. So it was not in vain. Yeah, it's not in vain. And I mean, you're going to really be, I know. What's next for you? I know you're going to be helping other people. What you got going on next? Um, well, you know, while I was in, I had put together um, a, a mentoring program you know, called True Father Figure. I'm kind of like, uh, you know, besides having my nine to five, I'm kind of working on that. You know, my lady, she uh, she uh, she has a master's in criminal justice. And I'm wow. finishing. I'm, I'm, I'm following her footsteps, man. She a motivation. But, um. And we got something we're going to do some parents and men, some, some parental mentoring. Okay. We're thinking about organization. She's kind of want to specialize in like teen dating and teen relationships. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm like, I'm for the young men. I got a little edge to me. So I try to stay around young men. Yeah. You know, and, and you know, it is what it is, man. Young men need to, you know. Especially that age group, that teen group. So, that teen yeah. group really needs some guidance. So, and you, you know, you were in that situation when you were 19, so you know. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, I I, I really, you know, commend what you and your girl are doing, you know, getting your criminal justice degrees and out here trying to help the minorities and, you know, do what they got to do. And I'm loving the whole teen thing because I got a teenage daughter and she trusts me. <laughs> she may need to be in a program or two because these teens are wild. You know, they just... They just <laughs> So how can they? How could we get in contact with you before we get off? How you, you got an email, Instagram, Facebook? Instagram right now is Zane You know Zane. You know I'm, I'm Muslim. That's my attribute. But you know I do music. I do a number of things. But Zane is how you can find me. Um, then my email address is Zane Tahiri, Z a y n e t a h i r i at gmail Always available, man. Um, you know, when you follow my, my, my page, whatever, you see what my mindset is. You know, I'm definitely trying to, I, I got, I'm here today because I ain't afraid to dream and I ain't afraid to fight for, you know, what I believe. You know, I stand for what, is, what I believe, you know, what not only benefit me, but benefit, you know, those, you know, that I care about. You know, and uh, you'll see it, man. Just, you know, I'm out here. Just, you know, I'm out here. Well, you guys, you make sure you follow Thomas, his IG Zane. And, you know, DM them, email them. If you have any questions, if you need, you know, any questions that need to be answered, you're in the same situation, this man is here. And, you know, I, it sounds like he is willing to help. You can always DM me or get in contact with me, and I can get you in contact with him as well because this is what this is all about. We want to get people's stories out there. We want to get people, you know, motivation out there and everything they need because this life is hard. I'm trying to tell you. but you know, if we, you know, reach and reach each other, we'll be able to get through this. So I want to thank everybody for listening to my show tonight. Thank you so much, Thomas, for taking your time out to be on my podcast backstage with Ed Joy Leah, Miss Diane. You know, I love you. Thank you so much. 
for calling in and connecting me with this wonderful young man. And all my followers and all my listeners, make sure you follow Backstage at, excuse me, Backstage with Joy Leah on IG at, at Joy Leah. You can also follow me on Facebook at Joy underscore Leah. And you can email me at joyleahp at gmail.com. If you have any questions or if you want to, you know, help my man out with his organization and what he's doing. Again, thank you all for listening out tonight. You have a wonderful night. And backstage with that Joy Leah, we out tonight. Thank you so much, Thomas. Bye. Good night. Good night.